Welcome to the Vineyard Cincinnati podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To subscribe to our podcast or listen to other messages, go to vineyardcincinnati.com slash podcast. I wonder how many of us feel like we're right in the middle of God's will and destiny for our life. Just dead center doing, I'm, I'm in God's will. If you talk about God's will, immediately there's a desire in the, in the heart of every believer to say, I want to know what God wants me to be doing and where he wants me. Unfortunately, typically we think it's somewhere other than where we are right now. Amen? I mean, you just kind of like, especially if there's a tough situation that you're in, you're like, I'm pretty sure this can't be God's will. These people that I'm working with, no way is this God's will, right? And so you want to kind of escape. I believe when we live a life of worship, we are living in God's will. And we cannot miss his will because his will is not so much where he takes us as who he makes us. I know that might not be grammatically correct for all of you teachers. It's not where he's taking you. You say, I mean, uh, for, for the young people who are with us today, you're, saying you're believing some of you want to be married in the future and you're wondering, what's God going to do? And what kind of person is he going to bring? And what am I, where am I going to work? And you have this idea of some uh, future place. I don't believe that God is concerned so much about where he takes you as as right now you allowing him to make you into the person that he wants you to be. Because if you'll allow him to make you into the person he wants you to be, he can take you wherever he wants to take you. But he could also place you anywhere in the world. But if you won't allow him to make you more like Jesus, he will be limited in his use of you in that place. You understand what, what I'm saying? Not so much where he takes you, but who he makes you. And my point today is that if we, can, if we can develop a lifestyle of worship, we will never miss the will of God. We will know what the will of God is for our life as we honor him and as we worship him. It says in the, in the catechism from like 1627, it says this, you're probably familiar with this, it says, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The purpose, the meaning of your life. So many of us look for life, life's meaning in so many wrong places. Looking for love in all the wrong places. This is my personal story. And then when we find a relationship with Almighty God, I was really surprised. I was surprised that a relationship with Jesus Christ and then a life that wants to glorify and honor him actually suits me. It's It suits all of us. It's what we were born to do, to know him and to love him, to enjoy him in what we're doing. That's what we're made to do. We look for meaning all over, but we only find it in the one who created us and as we worship him. So I wanna look at one particular passage, Romans chapter 12, in a couple different ways, and I wanna give practical application where we're at every single day of our lives in school, in work, and how do I actually carry this out? Because it's one thing to preach it on Sunday. It's another thing to live it on Monday. Romans chapter 12, one and two says this. This is from the the message, a paraphrase. It says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. 
Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Paul is saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take everything in your life, like the mundane moments of your life, in everything that you do, I want you to give that to God as worship to him. In scripture it says, pray without ceasing. You read that and you're like, is that even possible? I want you to take every moment of every day and enjoy my presence and use it as glory to me. Every thought that you have, every, every mundane small thing that you do, all the, when you're studying, study for me, says the Lord, because I have you at that school. And when you're working, work for me. And when you're relating to people at work that are hard to relate to, do you have those people? You relate to them for me and for my glory. Here's what another translation says that, um, what Paul wrote to the Romans, listen to this, it says, I beseech you therefore, which is, I'm sure you've already used the word beseech three times today. <laughs> Those of you who watch Downton Abbey, I beseech you therefore, come downstairs, come hither, you know. <laughs> this just means I urge you. I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You can prove what is the will of God as you're living each day, as he desires for you to live, aware of him. Have you ever forgot that you're a Christian? You go through your day and you just forget. You're like, and then you remember, like, oh yeah, Jesus died for me, and I'm living in grace. You ever, you ever forget for a while, and then you, then you remember, am I the only person in the world? You're like, dear God, we have a pastor that forgets he's a Christian. Mostly, it happens when I drive. <laughs> I'm like, oh yes, I, I'm born again. For a moment, I thought I was the devil, but I'm not. He says, therefore, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you would live your life as a sacrifice to God. It's reasonable that you would do this. When he says, therefore, you say, why would he say, therefore? What's it there for? It's always there for what was said before. The first 11 chapters of Romans sets up the gospel, explains the gospel, and the grace of God now available to Gentiles and to Jews, and the explanation is then gonna be given practical application through the rest of the book of Romans. So in Romans 12, he says, saying, therefore, since I've explained to you the grace of God, now it's reasonable that you would give your entire lives to this. As a matter of fact, the verse right before, Romans chapter 12, verse one that we read, says, give your whole life. Here's what it says, Romans eleven thirty six: For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Who's it all about? It's all about him. And since, therefore, it's all about him, it's reasonable that we would give our entire lives to him. One of the things I love about Jesus is you read about his life. He's not just a great teacher. 
He can't be a great philosopher and just a great teacher. Oh, yeah, he has great words. No, because he claimed to be God's son. And then he died for those words. He didn't just speak those words. He died for those words. And he claimed to be God's son. He's either a liar or he's a lunatic. He cannot be just a great teacher. What I love about Jesus is that whenever he's talking, he always points back to himself. This would have been so audacious in the time in which he lived for the religious leaders, for him to claim, yo, all who are thirsty, I'm pretty sure he didn't say yo, all who are thirsty, right after this great feast that they have. I wanna draw this feast's attention to not the water that's going down the steps of the temple uh, in all of your tradition. If you're thirsty, come to me and I'll give you living water. It's all about me and he draw, everything was about him. He was crucified at the Passover. He is the sacrificial lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The only way the death angel can pass over your house is if you know the son of God. He said, no one comes to the father except through me, right? I, I just love that everything points to him and it's all about him and it's through him and in him we live and move and have our being and it is reasonable that we would give everything to the one who died for us. Now, the, you gotta be careful. He begins to say, I urge you by the mercies of God. In other words, there's no way you can do this apart from him. This is not another thing to add to your list of what you should do and ought to do. This cannot be done. This life lived for God uh, the, when, whenever I'm in prayer, I don't know about you, but whenever I pray, I'm immediately aware of my inability to do anything without his strength, without, it, without his grace and without his power. Matter of fact, I, I, I'm, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to act in my own strength, in my own religiosity, in my own self-righteousness. No, apart from you, I can do nothing. I was talking to a friend of mine from San Diego this last week, and I said, tell me about your prayer life, pastor friend of mine. He said, I've been using the Lord's Prayer lately as kind of a launching pad for, for praying. He said, I like to go on walks. He's from San Diego. So I said, I like to go on walks. Because <laughs> the weather's perfect there all the time. And we have a window of opportunity here in Cincinnati where we can actually be this wonderful place called outside. It's great. Uh, and, and so I said, oh, I'm going to do that. It reminded me of our prayer wheel. And I want to encourage you. If you're struggling with your prayer life, you think it's unattainable, you just kind of can't find the words, use the Lord's Prayer. On the outer ring, and you can pick these up in the lobby for free, on the outer ring, it has the Lord's Prayer. And then on the inner ring, it, it has like, it gives you just steps. Even if you have just eight minutes or so to pray, it'll help you, our Father. And so I'll, be, I'll go on a walk and I'm saying, our Father. Think about him as your Father. Lord, you're my provider and you love me and you care for me and you're good to me and there's things I need to ask you. Who art in heaven? Hallowed be your name. So I spend some time and I'll worship him and then your kingdom come. Your kingdom come in my family, Lord. Your kingdom come in the church. And you just use that as kind of a launching pad for your prayers. So I encourage you, uh, and this has really uh, encouraged me lately and I just wanted to point that out to you. Most of my prayers are spent saying, help. And I can't do it. And I don't know. But Lord, I trust you that you know. I just want you to know that there's nothing I can do apart from your grace and apart from your mercy. Would you empower me today with your Holy Spirit that I could do these things? And as you go to work and as you go about your day-to-day -day life and all the big and small things that you do, this is the secret to joy in life and joy in the Christian life is including the Father in everything that you do. I don't wanna do anything without him.
You're concerned about an appointment you're going to. You're concerned about some stuff that's going on with your family. You're concerned about your work. But I want to remind you, you do not go anywhere alone. He said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So the, the passage goes on and it says this, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. Present your life to him. Now, some of us had a life before we knew Jesus. And our life before Jesus was not pretty. Not everybody, but there's some people in here who had some life uh, issues before you met Jesus. How many of you have been delivered from some stuff that you lived in the past? Amen? Okay, so some of you are really shy about that, but it's okay. Uh, He knows. Jesus knows. And, And probably your family does too. It's no secret. So what you do is you take, and it used to be a thing where, where you would go places and do things where you, you just would, you would lead the way if you were like me. You took your body to places around people and did things that were not pleasing to the Lord. Well, the, in the same way, now present your life a living sacrifice before him, just very practically every day. Romans 6.13 says, don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, because you are, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So the way that we used to live is gone, and the new way that we live is here. And then he says this, which is your reasonable service. I love this. You know, it's rational, logical, and reasonable to give everything you have to Jesus. It's reasonable, reasonable, it's rational, and it's completely logical. If you believe this, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and became a human being, fully God and yet fully man, think about that, that he would experience life like us as a human, yet didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, he wasn't wasn't infinite anymore, but yet he was still part of the Trinity, try to comprehend that, so that he could be one of us. And he was one of us, limited in skin, Limited on the earth, limited to a location, infinite, almighty God through whom everything was created is now a part of us and we, his creation, did not recognize him. He lived a sinless life, was brutally beaten, did not deserve it, died a criminal's death on a cross. God raised him from the dead so that his blood would cover our sins, though his red blood would cover our dark sin and we would be white as snow. If you believe that, it is completely reasonable and logical that we would give our entire lives to him. Paul is saying there's only one way to live the Christian life. You gotta put your whole self in. Some of you just had a hokey pokey moment, I know. (laughs) Some of you are some sixth grade uh, roller skaters from back in the day. Any roller skaters from back in the day? Because when Thriller came out, you had to roller skate. You just had to. Put your whole self in. I saw a bumper sticker one time that said, what if the hokey pokey really is what it's all about? (laughs) Deep, I sat at that stoplight for a long time. (laughs) It is reasonable, given what God has done for us. See, it's reasonable to put our whole selves in. And if I just tell you, if you try to 
you know, put your leg in and take your leg out and put your leg in. It, it's not gonna work in Christianity. Riding the fence does not work. Put your whole self in every moment of every day. And what does that mean? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's where we have the word uh, metamorphosis. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we carry this out practically? It means that we love, we we walk and we do. We love mercy. When you go to work this week, you're the person who loves to see people receive grace and mercy. You love mercy. You walk humbly. At the place where you work, you walk humbly before other people. And you do justly, you do justice. Justice in, in scripture means caring for those who are oppressed. You are called to be at the place where you work. God has designed it that you would carry the gospel to the people you are with. It's easy to preach the gospel. It's another thing to carry the gospel every day. It's easy to proclaim the gospel. It's another thing to carry the gospel every moment of every day. See, a Christian life, a Christ life-like uh, life is one where uh, when you wake up in the morning, your thoughts are immediately turned towards him. You're dependent upon him. You look to his word to renew your mind and you have a word from him that you're, you're, you're ready to give to anyone who needs a, a word for the weary. You are on mission with almighty God. Your life is not your own life. You've given your life to him and now you are not your own but you are owned by him. And he is not a part of our story but now we are a part of his so that everywhere you go you are on mission with almighty God in his redemptive story. Because you have a completely different worldview. The way you see the world is not conformed to the way the world sees the world. We see the world as creation and the fall and redemption and rescue and restoration. That's the way we see our entire, see, when, when you go to work, you see your work different. There is no insignificant work, by the way. There's not important work and less important work. There's the work that God has given you to carry the gospel to, and it is important. I'm gonna say this again. You are in the right place doing the right thing when you're worshiping him and honoring him. And you may be a sanitation engineer. That's a glorified uh, name for, for, for garbage uh, person. You can't probably say garbage man anymore, can you? I get in trouble by what I say. Uh, so you're, you, if you take care of the garbage, man, do you realize what the world would be like if you weren't doing that? We honor that work. We honor uh, those who are hosting and those who are a waitress and those who are waiting on us. We honor those people at UDF. God bless UDF. And, and see, when you wake up in the morning and you have to stop by UDF, you're not like everybody else demanding their own way and demanding a parking spot, demanding this. No, you're the one who goes in and you care for the person who's working the register. Why? Because you're a gospel carrier. And when you go into work and they're complaining about the boss, you don't complain about the boss. Why? Because you're a gospel carrier and you know that all authority has been given by God and, and you honor the one who's in authority, even if they're not that great. And you pray for them and you bless them. And when there's gossip that happens at work, you never take part in that gossip because you you want to honor God with what you say and what you do, and, and you want to honor him in your relationships. And then when you make a mistake, <laughs> this is the best. You want to be a great witness for Jesus? Just be you, and you're going to screw up. You're going to mess up. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to say something you shouldn't say. You're going to get home, and the Holy Spirit's going to say, hey. <laughs> you're like, darn it. 
soon as you hang up the phone, man, you really gave him a piece of your mind. And then the Holy Spirit's gonna say, hi, remember me? Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Then you're gonna go back into work. And you are gonna change the atmosphere of that place. Because in a place where pride rules and reigns and politics and everybody's stepping on everybody else, you go in and say, I just wanna humble myself before you. And here's how you do it. You say, I was... You don't even care if they know the Lord. They're about to know him right now. They're about to see him. It's not that people don't understand the gospel. It's just that they haven't seen it. It's not some mental comprehension they have to have about the gospel. It's they need to experience it. So you're gonna give them the experience of the gospel. You're gonna go to them and say, hey, remember yesterday when I said that? I was demanding my own way. And I was really convicted by the Holy Spirit about that. You don't need to care if they understand what you're saying. I was really convicted by the Holy Spirit. And I know the scripture talks to me about being lowly and being gentle and being humble, and I just wasn't. And, and, and I'm ashamed. Don't say, if I offended you. That is not an apology. That makes you want to get smacked right there. <laughs> Would you please forgive me for what I said? And they're going to be blown away because they haven't experienced Christianity. They haven't actually seen it. You're called to be where you're at. You're called to carry the gospel to the people that you're around. Don't look for some way out. You don't need some way out. Some of you are praying for deliverance from the place you're at. You don't need deliverance. You need to, you need to bloom where you're planted. You need to say, Father, make me a light here. Make me like you here. And when you want me to leave here because my mind is, is on you, I know that you'll take me where you want me to go and sometimes I wanna go somewhere else. You can be honest with them, but, but you can say, Father, right now I'm here and I wanna glorify you. I'm called here as your ambassador. I'm part of your story, and you're redeeming the world, and I'm carrying the gospel. And see, this is where Christians doing work, it's, it, it gives more meaning than just collecting a paycheck. You say, I'm an airline pilot. How can I be a Christian airline pilot? Land the plane, <laughs> right? How can I be a Christian teacher? Be the best teacher that your school has. Be a blessing to the people that are around you. Encourage those who are in authority over you and bless the people that you work with. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Refuse to get involved in all the mess and all the drama and all the stuff and stay off of Facebook with your issues. These are how you can just be a Christian in that place. And in that, you glorify God. And if you, can, if you can walk according to the spirit and not walk according to the flesh, man, you will be a light to the people that are around you and they will know that Christ is real because they will see the change that is in you. And you won't have to look for somewhere to do ministry because you'll see that God has you a minister right where you are. Every single person here, according to scripture, all of us are in full-time ministry. You are in full-time ministry right now by the power of God. We're all in full-time ministry. And so you are a minister of his this week. My prayer for you this week is that as, as you go, you would be more aware of God's presence in your life than ever before. And I speak this blessing over you that you would be immediately aware when you walk in the flesh, that you would be immediately aware and willing right in that moment to say, no, that's not... That's not what I want to be, Lord. That's, what, that's not what I want to do. That you would be aware of his presence, that you would give him glory in what you think, in what you say, in how you interact. And in that way, you'd be a great light. And you would know. 
Really be aware that you, when you're walking with him, aware of him, you are walking in his perfect will. Would you stand with me and we'll pray before we go. Pray that you don't forget that you're a Christian when you're driving (laughs) or anywhere else. Uh, Hardly a week goes by that I don't receive some kind of correspondence that's really, really encouraging. Usually a person from the church will tell me, I brought my friend and my friend said that prayer, gave their life to Jesus. So I'm thankful that we get to end every service by saying a simple prayer of asking Christ into our lives. If you're here today and you don't yet know Jesus, I've been talking a lot about giving him your whole life and I would tell you my personal experience is for what that's worth, you will not regret it. And it can begin by a simple prayer where you just say, Lord, I want, I want you to come into my life. The Bible says if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and that, that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. And, and then we'll help you in that journey. And if you need to do that, that's why we pray at the end. And I would ask everybody to pray with me, even as you're a believer here, this will help those folks who are saying this prayer for the first time. Oh, and then I wanna remind you too that tonight we're having a night of worship and uh, our, our nation needs prayer. Um, I'm sure you've heard recent, um, there seems like there's a, a shooting every, um, every day, more shootings in our country, mass shootings than there are days of the year. We're gonna come together, we're gonna worship God this evening, and we're gonna have a time of, of prayer in the middle of that. I think it'll be about an hour, an hour, 10 minutes, and I would really appreciate if your family would come out and honor God in that way. Uh, appreciate you doing that. Would you bow your heads with me? And we'll pray. Would you pray after me? Pray, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. And I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord and Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, Father, we just thank you for all those who prayed that prayer today and the work that you're doing in their hearts. We do not take that lightly, and we're so grateful. Father, we pray that you would continue to send us folks who are open to your gospel and open to you, and that they would, they would be able to, to surrender their life to you and live for you, that they would experience the love, the joy, the peace, and the forgiveness that you've given us, Father. Help us to be the kind of church to walk alongside people to help them in their journey with you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Go with us this week, Father. May we be aware of your presence every moment of every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. To subscribe to our podcast or listen to other messages, go to vineyardcincinnati.com slash podcast.